Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! What is up, everybody? Happy Halloween. Happy Scary Stories episode, everybody. This is our spooky, scary stories. I don't we think we've alternated the titles several times over the years, but uh, this is one of my favorite episodes of the year to do because we get to sit here and tell spooky stories that we come up with. This is our very own creative works. Nobody else better take it and make a script and make a $100 million and then um, and then because I have to sue you over it. No, it's it's absolutely my favorite episode, and it's because I always think of um, "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" No, I'm not. No, the show. This this this. Sh- yeah, our show. But why would I be afraid of the dark? Nickelodeon. Year old man. Nickelodeon's "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" is what uh, I'm. They have Nickelodeons uh, w- that are afraid of the dark now. That's uh... <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Hi, hungry. I'm dad. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are annoying, um, but Yay. it feels like it's like sitting around a campfire and you have to make up a, a story mm-hmm. and you have all year to do it, but you don't start till two days before the show. That's exactly the way it feels. Yep. Yeah. I finished mine about two hours ago. Uh, same. I started mine two weeks ago, but I did not really start writing it until yesterday it's hard it is tough to do and you think that it's easy when you go through it you're like well i mean it's challenging but you know i I got plenty of time to do it and this is how i always work if i started a month ago or if i started two days ago which i really did it would be this oh no (laughs) can't just knock my oh no he's gone (laughs) what a terrifying (laughs) beginning to this episode take you on a tour so there's my poster for when you saw night before christmas live and uh, Taryn's over there. Hi, t- and uh, there's the other side. There's the computer. Ooh, a computer. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a circus cat. She just she's jumps on everything constantly. She's an she's not a nightmare because it's cute and funny. She hasn't done anything like disastrous. When I do it, you you yell at me like knock over cameras. Yeah, when I jump on things. Like, Anyway, um, I forget what I was saying, but that's fine. Dottie, uh, sure, vibe we're great. Part. Yeah. Anyway, uh, oh yeah, it just takes me forever to do these things, and it's that's just the way it goes because you know we all have different stuff to do throughout, like lives and work and jobs and you know kids and pets and whatever, right? But at the end of the day, it all comes together, and I'm pretty excited about it. And this is the first time that I'll really be using. Uh, I got some AI voices in here. So oh, good. Yeah. So uh, because you know it's. Now my now my pumpkin's falling over. All right, just start knocking things off the wall. That's fine. I'm a cat. I just boop knock things over. Usually, like when I have, you know, sometimes Mike can be like heavy dialogue stuff, and I get tired of reading it. So I was like, you know what? Let's just have AI do it. Let's have (laughs) AI help me out. You guys can get a break from my voice every now and then. That's why the writers' strike uh, was the thing. 
Well, you know what? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but to be fair, this was, uh, this was an AI model that I trained. Oh, so I'm not good. using anybody else's. Well, yeah, I think that's part trained. of the concessions. I think we're good. All right. Good. Okay. Good. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm excited about it. If you are listening live and you are a Patreon supporter, the link for the secret show is, is on Patreon. So check that out. We'll be starting that in about an hour or so. I don't know. But before we get to the fun, I want to thank our travel uh, partner, Concy Ears. You can go to concyears.com right now. Plan your next trip to the parks. That's what Tara and I are finally using it to, uh, to go in January. Hopefully, if that still holds up for us, or that timeline holds up. But Woo. it's been nothing but uh, nothing short of fantastic. We have to do nothing. I know everything is booked. I'm secure in the fact that if there are deals... Jimmy, our concierge, will hunt them down for us and give them to us for free. We don't have to do anything. It's not a free, it's not a, it's not a paid service. It's free. Jimmy looks after our vacation, hands it over to us with velvet gloves on. I think he actually flies over and prints us out a receipt. I think that's what happens. Wherever he is, <laughs> he flies over and gives it to us. But, no, it's been, it's been really great. And uh, it's nice for the first time not having to worry about planning a vacation or, or did I forget anything? It's not my job anymore. It's my virtual assistant. Yeah. You know, it's all you've ever wanted. Yeah, It's all I ever wanted. Just, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Please execute said idea. Yes, sir. Mr. Petros. Anything else? Mr. Petros. <laughs> nope. Jimmy, that's fine. Thank you. It's a dream. It's a dream oh. come true. Concierge, your dreams come true. That's a tagline I just made up. Also, can you, to, uh, can you also add the words magic and enchant? Your magic wish, your magic dreams have enchanted true. <laughs> That's the way way it goes, everybody. Anyway, (laughs) check them out. Okay, let's get into it, man. Let's just, let's jump right into this nonsense and, uh, and, and let's do it. Eric, you want to start off, man? I would love to start it. And um, let me point out to fans of the show. uh, I am on absolutely uh, no muscle relaxers this year. So We're in for, we're in for less of a ride. Like? <laughs> I know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, well. That's okay. Okay. Well, we'll thanks. We'll forgive you. Thanks for accepting me as I am. <laughs> a man not on muscle relaxers. <laughs> hey, that's all right. You know, uh, if you can't be who we want you to be, be someone else. Right. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, the thing. That's the poster slogan right all right jeff was a toad man no doubt this had nothing to do with the band no doubt who are finishing up a set on grad night it was 1995 and this high school grad was ready to party jeff's jam was mr toad's wild ride skanking the entire way from the tomorrowland terrace stage jeff tossed his coca-cola cup responsibly into a trash can outside the matterhorn i hate you this is fantastic absolutely destroyed i've rehearsed this so many times (laughs) you're you are honestly doing so good jason stop skanking the entire way from the tomorrowland terrace stage jeff tossed his coca-cola cup responsibly into a trash can outside the matterhorn linda beckoned for him to join the uh the line with her and the gang oh linda she was a hottie and just jeff style except for one thing she loved coasters, but Jeff was a toad man. No doubt. 
When Jeff passed into Fantasyland, he changed his gait to a normal white guy walking pace to show proper respect for the land. One does not skank up on Toad. What luck! No, wait! Jeff wasn't too surprised, though. Fantasyland was pretty, pretty empty, except for Pan and Dumbo lines. It was with great anticipation, though, that Jeff approached stately Toad Hall's front doors. Jeff anticipated a bored team to be sitting at the controls. Instead, an old man beamed back at him. Finally, he shouted, a fellow fine arts aficionado. With that, the old man creaked to his feet and slowly moved to unhook the switchback's chain from the stanchion so Jeff could walk right in. He moved so slowly that Jeff could have walked around, but he appreciated the gesture anyway. Jeff followed the old man back to the loading point. What luck! A red toady car was waiting at the front of the line for him, his favorite. Of course, the cars were the same, but he still felt a little more kinship with his green friend when he got to ride in the red one. The lighting in the room cast a slightly sinister gleam on the old man's face, despite his wide smile. Have a safe trip? The old man wheezed at him. He seemed friendly enough with his thick white mustache and wispy hair. Maybe those four or five steps had worn him out, but Jeff didn't think he really had time to think about it. With a jolt forward, disembodied lips cheerfully whistling, he was off. Toadie crashed around Toad Hall before heading into the countryside. The red car navigated hairpin turns, never slowing for an instant as it passed landmarks laid out in painted flats. Jeff avoided the police, avoided falling into a river, avoided blowing up in a TNT warehouse. He spun through town square, got arrested, still driving, no less, and broke out of prison, then careened toward his final destination, hell itself. Jeff started laughing at the extra warm room, the barrister turned devil and the dragon overhead. He was giggling as the car came to a stop. There was still nobody in line. All the cars in front of him were empty. Another badger-named car swung in behind him, and the old man smiled, the light painting his paper skin whiter. You made it, he said, as if this was a great feat. I kept all the cars moving in case you wanted another run. You? Yes, this never happened to Jeff. He wanted to see his friends, but his friend Toad was right here. Why not make another trip through? Thanks a lot, mister. Toad is my absolute favorite. A whir and an empty car with ratty pages on its hood launched into darkness and the line moved forward. Oh, I had a feeling about it. not many kids your age like to ride this ride anymore. Another whir spun up. A McBadger car lurched. I really appreciate appreciate it. I was going to get back in line anyway. Whir. Winky tore around the corner. Jeff was right next to the old man now. Have you ever ridden Mr. Toad's wild ride in Florida? I hear the attraction there is pretty supreme. The man had an odd way of speaking. Who said supreme like that? Have a safe trip. The uneasy feeling dissolved instantly. Somehow this trip through was even more fun than the last time. Toad Hall, Raddy's House, Winky's Pub, Town Square. All of it was so vibrant. The black lights were really pulling their weight tonight. 
Jeff's hilarious laughs echoed off the plywood sets. He grabbed at one of Mr. Winky's beers. He shouted as barrels exploded, told the judge that no, he was guilty, and screamed as the light of impending doom raced at him. Were the headlights of the train a little bit blurry? Was hell a little bit more warm? Every moment was heightened. Jeff's head was swimming as he rounded that final corner again. You made it. And you didn't answer my question. Jeff realized the old man's grin never changed. A whirr and ready departed. What question? Whirr, McBadger. Have you ever been to Walt Disney World? It's supreme. Whirr, Winky. Did that car have two rows of seats? Uh, no, sir. Jeff wasn't laughing anymore. The old man leaned forward. Jeff couldn't read his name tag in the dim light. Might have read Can or Kenneth or something. The moment stretched on. The old man's finger poised over the launch button. You ought to try it sometime. You'll love it. Seconds passed. The old man straightened, still grinning, and pressed the button. Cody rolled merrily, merrily, merrily on his way toward nothing in particular at all. Jeff half expected it to launch through the wall or something, but it was just an old man being weird. The unease again faded. Jeff rode on through an unprecedented third trip in a row. Toad Hall, Countryside, Docks, Warehouse, Winkies, Town Square, Courtroom, Hell! Wait, that wasn't the normal devil, was it? Jeff emerged from Hell into a burst of humidity. The open air to his left was not Toad Hall. But there stood the old man, grinning at the controls. You made it. Where am I? Jeff knew immediately, but you kind of have to ask these sorts of questions aloud sometimes to get that thought to sink in. Welcome to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. The old man seemed a bit more sprightly in the humid Florida air. Would you like to give it another go? We're closed for the night, but I have to run some tests on both tracks. Jeff couldn't pass up an offer like that. He agreed, and the the ride lurched into darkness once more. He rode both tracks one after the other. The attraction had the same bones in Florida that Jeff's ride did, but more. Each track was different, heading through a mix of similar and new scenes. It looked like if you timed it right, you would feel as if you narrowly missed crashing into the other track's guests in Town Square. Holy crap, there was a painting of a naked lady in Winky's bar. Jeff was in heaven as he crossed over into the other loading area for a trip through a completely separate track that sure did intersect in town square as the train bore down on him for the fifth time that night he realized he was looking at a devil that he actually knew Uh, it, it was different from the pudgy satan of florida's ride he was back home the old man grinned you made it jeff peppered the old man with questions apparently there were rules to this sort of thing yes the old man could do it again but only after the Magic Kingdom in Florida was closed. The old man didn't want to get anybody in trouble. And no, he would not reveal the secret behind the portal between coasts. And Jeff was to tell nobody. Also, the old man's name was Kenneth. Jeff came back whenever he could. He would wait until the crowds were low later at night. If the old man was on shift, 
he would pop in. Sometimes he'd just stand off to the side while the ride went and they would talk about Toad and, and the ride itself. Kenneth was a font of knowledge about Toad. He enjoyed what he called Walt's film, but he enjoyed the books even more. Somehow he enjoyed the ride just as much. It met the, the theme of it. It met the spirit of it. Then it happened. Two years had passed and Disney did the unthinkable. They announced they were considering putting a Winnie the Pooh attraction in the place of Toad in the Magic Kingdom. Apparently that yellow honey swiller sold more merch. Jeff and Kenneth met more often from then on. Jeff needed to keep up on his fix on this, this supreme version of Mr. Toad's wild ride. Why fly out to join the protests in Florida when he had his own personal portal to the fun? Besides, Jeff could tell Disney wasn't going to back down. Hell, Kenneth told him they were planning a party for the closing of the Tomorrowland subs on the same day that Toad was supposed to close. Attractions come. Attractions go. It's fine. Well, September 2nd, 1998. Toad fans released information that the ride would close in the Magic Kingdom in only a few days on September 8th. Jeff had to be there. He showed up at Disneyland first thing that morning. Running down Main Street, ignoring the scolding cast members, Jeff was determined to get to Florida and join in the last day's proceedings. Reaching Toad's queue, he shoved past annoyed guests and vaulted the wall between him and the confused cast members. Jeff shoved a child out of the red car. Toady again. Perfection. Jeff leaned to his right to activate the ride. He didn't know how Kenneth did it, but he would figure it out. A frigid hand laid on Jeff's. With a start, he realized the room was empty. Kenneth stood next to him, dressed in a tweed suit. His mustache, hair and dark, his face, youthful. He spoke with a sophisticated Scottish brogue. Lad, you don't want to. Like hell I don't. I have to get there. Jeff was never more certain of anything in his life. No, son, it's too late. They closed the ride yesterday. Those internet folks had it wrong. Kenneth's prim posture wilted as he said these words. Look, I know Disney employs the ghost of the Wind in the Willows author Kenneth Graham at Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Jeff sighed as if he was bored with this conversation already. Just do your thing. I have to get back. One last time. Kenneth's dusty breath fluttered his handlebar mustache. All right, son. Goodbye. The toady car lurched forward through the ride once more. Toad Hall, countryside, docks, warehouse, Winkies, town square, courtroom. The train's headlight bore down on Jeff, blurring his vision once more. As the stars faded from his eyes, Jeff saw nothing. The car was stopped. Seconds slurred by, and he realized he wasn't in complete darkness. Ahead, the dim shape of a small demon stood, unmoving. He leaned forward. He could see a blur of light around the corner. Faint sounds of a theme park wafted toward him. Uh, can anybody help me? Jeff asked down the hall. A rumble. Uh, seriously, I'm in here. The rumble changed. Machinery moved, but not his car. Guys, come on! The backhoe's blades crushed a shaft of light from the ceiling. 
It was the last thing Jeff saw as his skull was crushed. Jeff floated for a time, but eventually found his way back to consciousness. A cheery song was playing, but it wasn't merrily on our way. What was it? What was he sitting in? It was moving through the ride, but no. Jeff's eyes focused. The yellow bear had his honey. It was a celebration. Yellow goo was everywhere. The honey pot car rounded the corner and the family got out. A new family loaded in. The ride launched into sickly sweet darkness. Jeff's head swam as the car rolled onward past scene after scene of that plush bastard on a... Oh, you're on a blustery day, okay? Huh? Yeah, must be rough. And then he saw it. A painting of his toad. Kenneth's toad. Handing the deed to Toad Hall to one of the bastard's friends, Owl. What the hell was that? Disney put some tribute to the attraction, replaced by this travesty? Before Jeff could register his disgust, the pot rolled off to find Tigger, Heffalumps, Woozles, more bluster, honey. The car rounded the final corner. Children tumbled out, but not Jeff. Children piled in. Again, the bluster, painting, Tigger, Heffalumps, Woozles. Luster, honey, again, children, again, the painting, again, children, the painting, again, again, again. Nice. That was awesome. That was good. Yeah. You had me on the edge of my seat. Uh, You all thought I was going to send him to hell, but then I did. Yeah, <laughs> but then sort of, but kind of. Right. But also, yes. Kind of like a purgatory. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, just a uh, full disclosure here. We've been working on a Halloween episode for the Supreme Resort about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride for altogether too long. Yeah. And um, I based this story off of uh, the the actual gentleman, Jeff Moscott, who... Uh, created the Save the Toad um, movement in Florida to um, save Toad when when word came out. So we've got a whole episode that is based. Basically, the entire episode is a theme episode. We're pretending we're a true crime podcast and we're talking about the death of Toad and we're talking about Jeff's movement. And I thought it would be a fun tribute to uh, name this character after Jeff, even though it's completely the opposite he's a disneyland guy but <laughs> but yeah it, it good job eric yeah i love well, it thank you that was, that uh, was fantastic i got a voicemail today Ooh! oh my yeah. goodness here we go <laughs> hey everyone sorry i couldn't be there tonight bev and i have to spend time clipping each other's toenails i hope you all have a great time anyway time to fire up the chainsaw and get bev trimmed up more what what <laughs> what happened at the end there? Good no. Is he a muscle relaxers? I think he had a stroke. Maybe play it backwards. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh no. That was um weird. <laughs> that was weird. Very, very spooky. Maybe but, maybe he oh, lost yeah. cell service. Halloween. Yeah, maybe that's what it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, a terrible drop in Verizon. Ow. Yeah, I don't know, man. But anyway, there you go. Terrence left a voicemail. <laughs> okay. Um, Terrence, do you want to go or should I go? I can go. I know you can. No, Why does I, everyone I, say I can? You just do you? Or that's, would you how, that's how people say, yes, I will go. No. 
they say, yes, I will go next. Would you like to go next, Taryn? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and go next then? Okay. All right. Just in your own time. I'm, well, you actually have to start me off. I have to start you off? All right. Tell me when, please. Okay, go ahead. It might be in German, so I don't. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right, here we go. The Disney company expects to announce its most profitable quarter in history at the upcoming shareholder meeting. And its CEO says it's all thanks to the Emote Plus microchip. In the last 10 months, Disney stock has risen by 121 US dollars and currently stands at an all-time high of 202. Incredible, right? Impossible even. So how did that happen? Well, two years ago, the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution was passed. The amendment was designed to remove the possibility of voter fraud by making voting more transparent. Almost every major American corporation, including Disney, supported the passing of the amendment, and it was purposely written to be vague enough that both sides of the political spectrum easily agreed to it. You may be wondering how, in a time when a political party can't even agree on who should represent their own party, did everyone come together to accept an entirely new amendment? Well, within this cleverly worded document was a single phrase that would prove to make corporations, who support candidates, a lot of money. And that changed everything. The amendment reads, All U.S. citizens will be required to volunteer the viewing of their individual physiological reactions and responses to any and all situations as agreed to by the U.S. Congress. Any and all situations. These four words left open the interpretation of this amendment to far more than voting transparency. This particular phrasing made it a legal requirement for every single U.S. citizen to express exactly how they feel at any given situation at all times. Whether the wording was intended for this purpose or not is unknown, but it certainly was a dream for our capitalist environment. Corporations would now have insight into their patrons' emotions, wants, desires, and could market to them accordingly. Because of this, all major corporations were on board, and money to get this new system off the ground was not an issue. So at a speed which seemed impossible, software engineers created the microchip, FDA approved it, and the U.S. Congress centralized, legalized it, and within a year, all U.S. citizens were mandated to be implanted with the Emote Plus microchip. Emote Plus is an emotional and physiological tracker which tracks in real time an array of standard human needs called emotes, including hunger, comfort, hygiene, bladder, energy, social, and fun. Engineers and scientists worked together to create the microscopic technology, and the FDA approved it in record time. Once implemented, the seven emotes would be tracked using a green to red color system. Green means that that particular emote is in good standing. Yellow or orange means... To be aware that this emote may need attention soon, and red means that emote is excessively low and requires immediate attention. The emotes are visible to anyone with a smartwatch or, for a fee, using the Emote Plus eyeglasses, which provide a holographic view of a person's emotes above their head. Think Iron Man. And much like having a social security number, you can't get a car loan, have a credit card, or even borrow a library book if you haven't had the chip inserted into your skin so it didn't take long for most U.S. citizens to oblige. Now, even though they cost more than my laptop, I did opt to buy the Emote Plus glasses. I mean, if I'm going to be forced to, into this anyway, I might as well take full advantage of seeing everyone else's emotes clearly and immediately. Now, admittedly, these glasses do make people watching more fun. Now, the absolute 
best place to people watch is Disneyland. There's just so much going on. You could sit on a bench and watch the emote levels of a kid who just tripped drop into the red in a matter of seconds. While two feet away, a couple's emote levels are maxed out at green because they just got engaged. And even more fun is when you see a family trying to have a good time, smile on their face, laughing, dancing down Main Street. But then you see in the glasses that mom's fun, energy, hunger, and bladder levels are all red. Poor mom. Anyway, it's a great place to hang out. It's almost like the glasses are just another attraction. Emote Plus came at a great time, too. Over the last few years, as prices were rising and controversial changes took place at the, at the park, it started to feel like something was off with the Disney company. I mean, even the CEO was clandestinely backdoored out of his job on a Sunday night. It started to feel like the company had lost its magic. But now, something just feels better. Now, it was no secret that corporations are using Emote Plus to their advantage, and it's no different for Disney. Now, last week, I felt the slightest hunger pang, and within seconds, a cast member was right there to point to the closest churro cart and offer to help make me a reservation for dinner. One time, I saw a toddler throw up right in front of Crystal Arcade, and the room and comfort emotes of everyone within 10 feet fell into the red immediately. But several cast members were on site within 15 seconds offering onlookers front-of-the-line passes to any ride. With the ability to see everyone's emotes, it's like everyone gets to be a VIP now. It really felt like it brought back the magic. When Emote Plus first came out, there were obvious concerns about privacy, and basically Congress decided that if you pay to be in a place or are freely out in public, your emotes are mandated to be visible to all people. However, while you are working, while you are being paid to be in a place, your emotes will be automatically set to invisible. Now, I suppose this is a way to both protect employees from being forced to feel happy and to entice people to work, since it's essentially the only time that your emote plus is invisible. Work is freedom. At Disneyland in particular, a new position was added called a regulator, whose job it was to monitor guest emotes. The regulator office is on the second floor of the Main Street buildings. And from this vantage point, along with thousands of cameras across the park, the regulators have a bird's eye view of guests, which allows them to scan the crowd for any orange or red emotes. If a regulator spots a red or near red emote, they send a signal to the cast member on the ground to fix it and bring levels of that guest back up to green. Cast member bonuses are now based on how many guests have green emotes. So this system is very important for the business as well as cast members. The regulators began to discover trends in guest emotes. They would be hungry, but not eat. Their bladders would be full, but they would stay in line. Then these choices would make them feel uncomfortable and unhappy. This was especially evident in larger groups of people. No one wanted to change the course of the group's plans because their feet hurt, or they were tired or hungry. So rather than saying anything, they just dealt with it, causing their emotes to turn toward red. Then this became a trickle effect, and regulators witnessed full groups of people with red emotes out of the simple human desire to not rock the boat, as it were. It appeared that guests needed help expressing what they really wanted. It was during the daily morning stand-up meeting where Disney executives announced a new process to the regulators. <clears throat> we want to make things we want to take things a small step further, and we know our amazing regulators will be up to the task. Rather than waiting to see what the guests need and providing that to them, we're going to proactively help the guests decide what they need. Our amazing team of software imagineers have developed a new software called DreamDirect. 
This technology works in conjunction with Emote Plus and can predict, predetermine, and dictate what guests will feel. You will not only monitor what guests are emoting, but will also determine what would be the best emote for them to have at any given moment. Now also, because we appreciate each and every one of you regulators, we are offering you each an entirely new employment package. The Disney Company will pay for all of your current and future living requirements. You will no longer need to worry about rent, groceries, clothes, education, or healthcare. All entertainment and vacations will be paid for by Disney. And don't worry, your salary, which will remain the same, and any bonuses incurred during your time as a regulator will be put into a trust for you to use at the conclusion of your employment. Now, this change will result in you each making more than double what you did under your previous employment agreement. And it is our way of showing you our appreciation for what you do each and every day. Murmurs spread among the small group of regulators. Some quit, not fully understanding these changes, but most stayed on. This structural change had benefits for the regulators in the long run, but it also benefited Disney. These employees were no longer being traditionally paid. And because of that, Disney was now allowed to legally monitor their emotes. As time went on, the regulators became really great at this new position. They had the ability, well, not just the ability, but they were tasked with controlling the entire operation of the park. Using Dream Direct, they could now not only make sure guests remain in the green, but they were able to influence what a guest would need to stay green. Let's say, for instance, a guest's hunger levels were inching toward yellow, but the restaurant in the near vicinity of the guest was full and crowded. A regulator could then adjust their hunger emote to remain in the green for just a little while longer until that restaurant was less crowded. This would provide a less intense working situation for the cast members working in the restaurant while providing a more enjoyable and frustration-free experience for the guest. It's a win-win. Now, this also works for attractions. Let's say Fantasmic starts in 20 minutes and a guest is holding a viewing space near Pirates for their, themselves and their family. As they sit there watching everyone pass by, their fun, social, comfort emotes start dropping into the orange. Now, in this situation, the regulators might adjust these three up to, up to yellow or green to give the guests the impression that things aren't as bad as they feel, then drop that hunger down into the orange so that the guest finds the nearest popcorn cart to fill that emote back up to green. Now, here, the guest is not inclined to fill their fun emote by going on an attraction, thereby keeping lines short and also purchasing something, thereby adding to profits. All the while, their emotes are kept in the green, so they are generally happy with their choices and having a good time. Now, by choreographing the guest experience in this way, regulators become key influencers in keeping the park's population disseminated evenly. Again, win-win for all. Now, there were, however, a couple of times when things didn't go according to plan. One time, a teenage guest was in Savi's workshop looking at lightsabers when their bladder emote began to swiftly move into the red. They were having a tough time deciding which light lightsaber to purchase, but regulators were afraid that if the teen left the store to go to the restroom, they wouldn't come back and buy the souvenir. So to give that guest more time in the store, they adjusted the bladder emote from red to green, giving the guest the impression that they didn't have to go to the bathroom. This regulator then stepped out of the office for a couple of minutes to grab a snack in the break room. but. As it turned out, he had over-adjusted the bladder emote and the teen's natural bodily function overrode the emote system, causing the teen to urinate right there in the middle of Savi's workshop. Now, this, of course, caused a ripple effect of red emotes among not only the teen, but the group they were in and virtually every guest in the close vicinity. Now, this was an unfortunate mistake and one that Disney couldn't take lightly. 
Similarly, there was an elderly guest whose energy emote was consistently hovering around orange. One regulator noticed this, and as the woman walked past the DCA Starbucks, he decided to drop her hunger and energy into the red, hoping that this would cause her to go and grab a caffeinated beverage to satisfy those emotes. This was a great plan. However, the regulator's bladder emote suddenly went into the red, and he had to step out to use the restroom. And while he was out, the elderly woman, having her hunger and energy emotes too far into the red, fainted while waiting in the Starbucks line, and this, as you can imagine, caused many surrounding guests' comfort and fun levels to suddenly drop into the red. Again, not an ideal situation. The whole point of Dream Direct is to create structure and predictability, allowing Disney to present meaningful and magical VIP experiences for their guests. These types of mistakes cause chaos and unpredictability and instability, and they simply could no longer be tolerated. Now, up until this point, there was no need for executive staff to view regulator emotes. With these errors becoming more frequent, it was time to change that. The first thing Disney executive staff did was put on their Emote Plus glasses and look at the regulator office security footage. They were shocked to find that the regulator emotes were almost entirely in the orange and red. Now, while not entirely surprising, this was unfortunate. They were not having fun. They were uncomfortable. Their bladders were full. They were hungry and dirty. The situation was untenable. The executive team believed it was this unhappiness that was causing the regulators to start making more and more mistakes, and they were choosing to satisfy their own emotes over helping the guests satisfy theirs. One of the executives in the boardroom spoke up. We knew this might happen. It's time to deploy G Dream Direct onto these cast members so that we can have more control over their emotes. And so that's what we did. As CEO, I developed a new position at the company called Regulator Plus, R Plus for short, and promoted one of my best regulators into the position. She regulated the regulators. And it wasn't enough to just regulate them, though. In order to mitigate the risk for more mistakes, it was determined that regulator emotes should remain in full green so that they could handle a full shift without needing to worry about satisfying any of their emotes. From a corporate standpoint, it made sense for them to believe that they were never hungry, they never needed a bathroom break. But what we really wanted was for them to believe that they were comfortable and happy. Over the next few weeks, R Plus reported to the CEO that the regulator's work was on point. There were zero mistakes. Guests were happy. They were buying more, eating more. The park's attendance was evenly distributed, which helped make everyone feel comfortable. And all because the regulators just worked. With R Plus controlling the regulators, they no longer needed breaks of any kind. In fact, it was working so well that we were able to get the entire job done with only three regulators working nonstop. And as a result, we were able to reduce the amount of regulator staff to only three per shift, which, of course, helped the bottom line. So now, with only three regulators on shift at any given time, they worked 24, even 48-hour shifts before they needed a break to sleep, eat, and use the, the latrine. At Disney, we make magic. And finding a way for three people to do work of 20 Without having to pay them more, that's corporate magic. It was a sunny afternoon when I decided to take a stroll down Main Street. I smiled as I looked around at all the happy, content guest faces. We are doing great things here, I said to myself as I waved graciously at families with all green emotes, gorging on corn dogs, buying Mickey-shaped balloons. It was then that my eye caught a glare from the second story. I looked up and saw my beautiful regulators staring down at me. I waved up at them with pride. I felt true gratitude at that moment. Wonderful regulators, they've made me rich. 
prodding, of course, have turned this company around and made my bonuses the best I've ever seen. I should thank them, I thought. So I went backstage, walked through the white and blue hallway, smiling and shaking hands with cast members as I went along until I reached the staircase. I began to climb the stairs, uh, which ended at a single door leading to the regulator office. As I climbed the steps, I could hear a faint murmur coming from inside. And as I reached the top, it began to sound more and more like, I don't know, a growl. It was almost animalistic, you know, like, like what you'd hear at the zoo right before feeding time. I don't know. I put my ear to the door just to try to get a better idea of the sound, and it stopped suddenly. And so I used my key card to unlock the door. I opened the door quietly, not wanting to disturb my wonderful regulators as they work. I peered in. I saw all three regulators focused on their screens, diligently working. A musty, vinegary smell hit my nose, and I winced. When I saw how disheveled and unkempt the three looked, I thought to myself, hmm, we should probably set some cleanliness standards for them. I put my finger un- under my nose, hoping to mask the smell a bit, as I entered the room, and I shut the door behind me. As the door clicked shut, the three regulators turned their heads slowly, but in sequence and stared through me with bloodshot, wild, demented eyes. Back at the studio offices, R-Plus watched the security camera's screens as her boss, the CEO, entered the regulator office. She had pushed the limits on these regulators and their emotes. Luckily, they were wholly unaware of how miserable they really were. The three regulators hadn't eaten, urinated, or moved from their chairs in over 72 hours because R-plus kept their emotes in the green, making them believe they didn't need to. She didn't like this part of her plan. She enjoyed her coworkers, and they didn't deserve this. But she also knew that protesting the amendment wouldn't get anything changed quickly enough. She needed tangible, corporal evidence. So she waited until she saw all three regulators turn to look at her boss, and then she reversed all their emotes at once, thrusting them all into the red and watched the screen intently. Everything happened really fast. R-plus watched as 72 hours of camouflaged agony exploded into reality in a single moment. The regulators felt overwhelming disgust at the smell of the room, excruciating pain from not moving for 72 hours, pure, uninhibited exhaustion, and an absolutely unavoidable blast of their stored-up excrement. As bad as that was, What was worse was the untamed, savage hunger that they all felt. Their three days' worth of hunger was so great that engorging was the only clear thought they had. It was eat now or die. So in a manner that can only be described as feral, the regulators ferociously pounced onto my boss, ripping at the suit that cost more than my car and gashed their teeth into his flesh. There was no sound on the security cameras, but it sure looked like he was screaming. Until one of the regulators snatched his tongue right out of his mouth and slurped it up like a jello jiggler, that is. They looked more like animals than people as they gnawed on my boss's fingers and toes and bit through the flesh of his cheeks. They clawed at his thighs and spent a surprising amount of time digging through his midsection. I suppose they enjoyed that part the best. And once they were full, and I could tell, because their hunger emotes were bright green, the regulators left him there, lying in a pool of his own blood and immorality. They moved as a pack to the, side, the other side of the room, 
curled up together on the floor, and I watched as they fell asleep, their emotes transitioning from red to green, finally in control again, and at peace. What market analysts are calling the stock market implosion, stocks dropped to all-time lows overnight as reports came in that Disney CEO had been found mauled, mutilated and eaten by his own employees. Sources close to the situation claim that the CEO had been using the Emote Plus system to manipulate and control employees and patrons. The BBC reached out to Disney for comment but have not yet received a response. Over the past several weeks, protesters across the United States have been voicing their desire to repeal the 28th Amendment due to concerns about the ethicality of it and the Emote Plus system. In an unexpected move, it appears that United States legislatures are listening to the protesters and have scheduled an immediate constitutional convention where it's expected that they will attempt to repeal the 28th Amendment. BBC News will keep you updated as this story unfolds. That it? That's it. Yay! Yay! <clears throat> Good job, Taryn. <laughs> Thanks. Feel better now that it's over? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, that, it was really long. It's good. It was great. No, it was, it was good. It. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of buildup. Sure, of yeah. course. Yeah, just like excrement, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of excrement. Yeah. Man, uh, I had to use um, a thesaurus so <laughs> much. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> in um, the first draft, was, was it all just poop? Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. I Dookie. literally was like, poop synonym. And I'm like, excrement. Perf. It's <laughs> <laughs> my English major. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. We're going to come back, and we're going to wrap it up with my story. Uh, normally, I would say it's the best story, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not anymore. Who's to say? Who could really say, right? Whom's among us? So hang on, everyone. It's ears up. We'll be right back. Gee, sorry guys, but that guy bought 14 churros. I'm all sold out. And now, back to the show. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. That churro yeah. thing is a spooky situation for sure. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when I was doing that uh, that AI generating for you Taryn mm-hmm. uh, you know when you sent me the paragraph and I put in the generate it and kind of messed around a bit but uh, the, I noticed two things that was weird one you noticed a lot of times it wouldn't say emote it would say emote emote yeah it was very weird <laughs> yeah and so like okay it was like so, killing my vibe <laughs> yeah so you just have to like regenerate it and then it'll say the words a little bit differently mm. but sometimes the first take is good, but then they say emote. Yeah. Or emote. And it's like, no, that's not. Um, but the other thing they, they couldn't say was BBC. Oh, really? Yes. It was like, and it sort of that's reminded funny. me of what was happening with, with Terrence's thing. Like, uh, I think we should do it now. I watched. That's funny. BBC. So let's see what, it, oh, well, I wonder if it's just with, I wonder if it's just with that accent. Cause it was like the, the main, you know, see, here we go. What is it? I watched the BBC. Well, that was Terrence doing huh. it. See, he should have had Terrence. Terrence did it. fine. <laughs> but how did Dorothy do it? Let's see. Dorothy. Let's come on. Dorothy, generate this for me. I watched the BBC. <laughs> oh. BBC? <laughs> yeah, it was odd. That it was, was odd. But uh, yeah, anyway, so I had to like spell out B E E. The B E E. Oh. C E E. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. There we go. Well, I appreciate your work on that. Oh, well, yeah, you know, no big deal. No big deal, really. Uh, okay, here we go. I got too much. I got too much going on. 
Um, too many things to control. And then we have a bonus story. I didn't, I'll just tell you guys that right now. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, here we go. The best story. That's what this is. Ready? <clears throat> it's the best, the best story. <laughs> Do you want okay. to say it again? Walter sat at his desk, cradling his head in his hands. The lamp in his window casting a streak of light across the faded manuscript in front of him. His eyes were heavy. It was late, and he knew he had to get home soon, or Lily would start to worry. Fuck it. He said in a dry voice. <laughs> Standing up, I just realized that uh, yeah. I, I had Walt say the F word on the, on the clean show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey man, let's quote Walt all the time. No, I don't know. Uh, standing up, he pulled the chain on the light, plunging his office into darkness. As his eyes adjusted, Walt made his way to the door, twisted the knob, and headed to his car. He had a meeting to attend at the park, and he did not want to be late. As he drove to Disneyland, Walt started to feel the pressure he was under. The rest of the council was waiting for him, and he was depending on them in his own way. If tonight didn't work out, it could spell the end of a lot more than Disneyland itself. Pulling into the employee parking lot, Walt had his windows down. It was cool, not cold, but that nice, even weather that Southern California is known for, even for October. His feet hit the grounds of the park exactly at 12 a.m. He was already late. The park was closing, and while it was his name on the sign out front, there are a few people Walt was not really inclined to be late for, and every single one of them were inside waiting for him. Making his way through the twists and turns of backstage, avoiding eye contact with cast members and anyone who might want to delay him further. Walt finally popped out in the recesses of New Orleans Square. The crowd had thinned out and there were only a few stragglers remaining behind, trying to squeeze out every last experience they could before going back to their lives. He felt it was safe enough to risk it. Quickly, he stepped out from behind the backstage doors, made a fast right, a jaunting little left, and hit the golden buzzer, at the side of the door. Yes? The voice was firm and masculine. Not very Disney-like, he thought, but this was what happened on meeting nights. The committee took over. Security was of the utmost, and nobody knew about security like the Freemasons did. Yeah, it's Walt. He replied. <laughs> the door was opened within seconds, and Walt stepped in. As he climbed the stairs, jeez. As he climbed the stairs, he could hear the rest of the members conversing. Taking a seat around the large table, Walt lit a cigarette and took a deep draw. He knew what was coming, even if they didn't. Walt, Jeff spoke first. Thank you again for having us, as always. Building this little hideaway has been a real benefit for not only us committee members, but our families as well. I'll say, added Ben, this way I don't get Jen and the kids all in my business on meeting nights. A few of the chuckles permeated the smoke, and Walt nodded in thanks. Now that's all out of the way, the Grand Commander rose as he spoke. Brother Walter, how are things going with the translation? Walt took a beat, stubbed his cigarette out in the ashtray to his left, and stood up. The pitch man in him started to take over, and his nerves began to calm. Well, fellas, I don't know about you, but this weather has me just itching to get things moving. Laughter permeated the room. In our tradition of learning from the past, so we can protect our future, we have scoured the earth to find and rescue as many legends of the old operative masons as possible. 
and with every discovery we bring one another closer in brotherhood than ever before. Through our observance of rituals, our journey through knowledge, our embracing of the allegories represented in the master architect's tools, it is through these that we seek a higher knowledge. Walt was rolling now. He could feel the room turn from impatient men to children in awe of the showman that he had become. This is where Walt lived. Today is the 12th, and in just a few short hours, we will be taking our place among those old brothers that have moved on before us. From this organization's humble beginnings, splintering from the Templar Knights to today, to you men, you Master Masons, it is us who will rightly reshape the future of humanity. A waitress entered carrying a tray of drinks in both hands. As she made her way around the room, she presented Walt with his. He took a long pull from his glass and continued. When we make that long journey across this great park and we embark on our most sacred rite, calling upon the sun to guide our hand into death and what lies beyond, I know that I ascend to that unknown place in company of the bravest and most worthy men I could have hoped to know. Applause broke out around the table, a sound Walt was used to by now, but never tired of, especially from these men. These were hard men, men of industry, builders of empires, pillars of their communities. It was the only group of people Walt ever felt connected to in any sort of way. Gentlemen, I would like to state how excited I am to be at this moment with all of you. When I started as a Freemason, I wanted to change the world. But never in my wildest dreams did I imagine we would ever get here. Who would have ever thought that working with a guy like Werner von Braun would lead me down the road we are all currently on? That man and I had only two things in common, the future and the occult. Knowing he was treading on already soft ground, he continued slowly, more deliberately. If there was one thing he knew how to do, it was to calm a storm before it hit. Now, I knew before joining the Masons that the occult was not part of the agenda here, but the draw was too great. And I knew that if I had just got in front of the right people in the right places, we could all benefit from the knowledge unearthed. Gentle nods littered the crowd. Walt loved a group that thought so highly of themselves. It sure made, a lot things e- sure made things a lot easier to sell to them. And even after being a part of their system for so many years, devoting so much time and energy to their little club, he still had to sell them on this night right here. It all led up to the next few hours. The rest of the night was spent inside Club 33. Because of the sensitive nature of their meetings, none of the Disneyland cast members were on shift that night. Walt made sure to bring in trusted people lower-ranked brothers who knew how to keep anything they might hear to themselves. The conversations turned away from the upcoming event and focused on more on worldly things, stock prices, local and federal regulations. Not that any of it would matter much after today, but it was best to play along and let them have their security blankets. At 5.30, a soft chime rang out through the club. The committee members finished their drinks and made their way out of the club and into the empty space of New Orleans Square. Each man dressed in their black robes, following the Grand Commander in a grim but orderly line. 
Walt had made sure the park had scheduled maintenance that morning so they would not be disturbed. The procession wound around the park, making its way to the tallest and most accessible point in Disneyland, the Matterhorn. Up through the inner workings of the landmark attraction to the platform high above the park. Brothers from the local lodges had already been hard at work setting up the ritual space to the exacting details written in the old ways. Candles in the colors of purple and green were in position across the floor etchings, and the last ones were being ignited as the committee entered the space. The men took up positions around the perimeter of the room, while the Grand Commander took his place in the center of the symbols on the floor. Slowly he began. On this date, nearly 650 years ago, our brothers the Knights Templar were rounded up, tortured, and forced into false confessions at the behest of the church. As you know, many were later burned at the stake for their alleged crimes. This was meant to break the knights, to shatter their hold across Europe, and to eliminate their influence and power. But this only made them stronger, until they eventually made their way into the masonry guilds of the old world. It was these brothers that shifted our pursuits to a more lofty goal. And now, I want to welcome our latest Grand Inspector General to begin the rite. Walter? Walt stepped out of his position and took his place at the center of the ring. A mason from the shadows approached and delivered to Walt a scroll sitting on a tray of solid gold. Walt took the scroll, unrolled it, his signet ring shining in the candlelight. He began. The effect of Protego. A singular clap of thunder rattled high above them. He knew this was the right key to unlock his dreams. Tu gratia, lovis gratia, sicure, imperare et ferire, intervenire res. A thin white mist began to crawl across the floor, obscuring the candles and casting a strange light across the room. Walt opened his arms wide and shouted, Eius manus lux perpetua, potere cors mea, sempre. Another thunderclap and a bolt of lightning spiked down and struck the top of the Matterhorn. Small pieces of the roof broke off, falling down at the feet of the men. Dark clouds began to form in the sky above the Matterhorn. Slowly they churned and swirled, while lightning flashed and spiked the skies. Fascinare mens debilis, fascinare tum anima, tactus affectus, actus maledictum. He continued, uh, another bolt of lightning struck the peak, punching a hole in the structure. A large piece fell and hit two of the masons, knocking them down. Do not break the circle, someone screamed above the chaos. Close the gap. Two brothers came together, tightening the circle up a bit, ensuring the bond was not broken for long. Walt was looking at the sky now, arms spread wide open. The scroll dropped from his hand. Laughing, he closed his eyes. One of the brothers shouted, I can feel it. It's here. As the words left his lips, a hole in the swirling vortex of the clouds above opened. Two glowing eyes appeared in the darkness beyond the clouds, and a low rumble began to shake the Matterhorn around the wind. Darkness, we call upon you. Waken, waken, and show us the pathway, the brothers chanted over and over again. The rumble began to shift into a deep, drawn-out roar. The two eyes in the center of the storm grew in size, getting closer to the opening. Another flash and another strike of lightning hit the Matterhorn, sending even more debris down around the brothers. 
the earth shook mightily at the approaching horror, and through it all, the men of the 33-degree Masonic Council held fast, never breaking the ritual. A cone of light shot down, illuminating Walt. His back arched, and a short grunt emanated from his throat. Another lightning strike sent even more of the inside of the Matterhorn's wall crashing down, this time striking two more of the brothers in the circle, forcing them to the ground. As the circle broke, the cone of light enveloping Walt snapped off, as if on a switch. Walt dropped to the ground in a heap. The men could see more of the sky now through the Matterhorn, and the being that seemed destined to force its way into this world frightened them to no end. Several men broke off their connections with one another and ran screaming and shouting for the exit. The creature was no longer being drawn into this world since the circle was broken and shrieked in pain as the portal began closing around it. Quickly, the eyes drew back in fear, and the swirling clouds closed ranks in front of it, and then disappeared completely. As dawn broke on that morning, Friday the 13th of October, 1965, Walter Elias Disney lay on the floor of the Matterhorn, high above the park that bore his name. His curiosity had gotten him this far in life, a career that rivaled any on earth, but he feared he may have taken it one step too far this time. As he lay on the ground, his robes singed and smoking, he sat up, coughed a few times, and surveyed the damage. Four of his lodge brothers lay in the rubble, all still alive but struggling. Everyone else had left them alone to figure out what to do next. Drawing himself to his feet, he wondered sarcastically if he was out of the Freemasons group, now that he had almost birthed some type of creature into the world. Oh well, he thought. Maybe this was a sign that things were just how they were and no amount of knowledge or enlightenment could change that. A few days later, Walt sat in his office, poring over some paperwork. He was lucky that he had a few trusted men working for him that could patch the damage up inside the Matterhorn and outside without drawing too much attention to it. The papers that day were still trying to figure out why a storm of that caliber had hit Anaheim so fast and so hard, or why it covered only a small portion of the Disneyland Park. Walt hadn't heard from any of the council or the lodge, and he didn't really expect to. He hardly blamed them. Not everyone is okay with almost ending the world, and while as a Freemason he learned not to fear death, apparently when faced with that possibility at any point beyond your expected deadline, men will rethink what they fear at that moment. Leaning back, Walt turns his gaze out the window, looking down at the studio grounds below him, at the talent he has amassed, and reaffirmed to himself that he didn't want to lose any of this. He'd find another way, another group, to help him bridge the gap of life after death. After all, he was only 64. He had more than a few good years left to figure this all out. A smile broke out on that worn and weathered face. He sat back up, swiveled back to his desk, let out a short, raspy cough, and got back to work. That's it. Yeah, good job. I was very nervous. I thought that you were, were going to kill Walt. <laughs> well, I mean... I sort of, I mean, the, yeah, what I, yeah, what I tried to imply is that that whole thing gave him cancer. We started <laughs> coughing. Oh, okay. A short raspy cough, which is not a healthy cough. Oh. That was my, and it was like a year previous to when he like died. So I, yeah. Good job. You had a lot of history in there. <clears throat> I'm a history guy, man. No, I don't know. Yeah. And so much Latin. So much Latin. So much Latin. I know. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> see, here's the thing. <clears throat> Number one, um, 
Walt really wasn't in the Freemasons, but there's like a rumor that he was. So I'm like, hell, let's just go with that. That's, yeah. that's fun. Uh, and then people think he was a 33 degree Mason because, of course, they do. And they also think it's just like the highest oh, honorary okay. member in the Scottish Rite. Okay. Um, and people also say because they think he was a Mason, um, he was in, he was a 33. 33 degree Mason. And then that's why he named club 33 after, you know, as a tribute to okay. the Mason. So I'm like, well, let's just do that too. I mean, that sounds like yeah, fun to me. Add it in. So then, I, I, Oh, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, and then all the, uh, all the Latin is like real Latin. And, um, I was, <laughs> go ahead. Tell it. Oh <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> <clears throat> I, um, it was real Latin that I looked up for like, um, uh, spells you know, spell casting or whatever. And I picked like positive spells. Cause I'm not like, I'm not a guy who believes in ghosts and shit, like stuff like that. Right. And, um, so I'm sitting there like hearing this Latin over and over again. And like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know this is like a spell thing, but you know, you're supposed to say it at a full moon and you know, whatever. Uh, and then I had dinner. I was like, I don't really feel good. I think it's, I think, <laughs> I think it's all this Latin wormy. It's way to my brains, man. So, um, yeah, don't listen to this episode too many times. Or else you might, you know, <laughs> get a little spell cast against you or something like that. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I feel like you and I, Jason, both did the same thing. We were searching for an episode for a different thing. And we went, <laughs> I got to write a spooky story about this. I did. You know, and originally I was going to I was going to piggyback off of the Pyramid of the Ears show that I did with Dan that I'm still mm-hmm. editing um, about the froze like Walt, excuse me, Walt's frozen head and stuff like that. Oh, but, is uh, that what it's about? OK, I shift shifted i just guessed that it was a freemason thing but oh but hey there there are more there's more p to come everybody that's right we're not (laughs) full yet we're not empty yet i have to say i think that this is one of our best ones yet i thought it was really good yeah i thought it was fun too especially because bev and terrence aren't here (laughs) actually bev was here no it's no terrence (laughs) was here no bev was here she was in the chat for like really two minutes oh my god (laughs) yeah you were talking cold meds yeah it's probably just a cold bev (laughs) (laughs) but eric honestly you did Um, such a good job i love the idea of like sticking to a ride like when you started your story i was like because i'm always thinking like too big and i don't know where to go and i was like oh my god you could just like have the whole story in one ride and i was like that is a fantastic idea it is so good job well thanks I, I like the Sims oh, angle. Yeah. Like I could tell that's where you were going, but it the it, whole it worked. The whole so uh, horrific the whole at the end thing of Terrence's story the whole time. This is just was the only thought in my head. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dude, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> Why is that bass so hard right now? Yeah, Holy I don't know. Cow. That's rough. I got all the processing wow. off. That's cracking. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's nope, bad. It's still beefy, dude. Jeez, I gotta, I gotta get rid. Of oh this. wow, I gotta get rid of it. I gotta get rid of it and invest like a thousand dollars into stuff, but I don't have that, so we're dealing with terrible audio. Can I send you like ten dollars with that? I mean, you it, always can. With every <laughs> everyone listening, please just close your eyes and wish, and then send right. Jason ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> send me thoughts and prayers because apparently that's the only currency this country wants to deal in right now. Um, okay. I think that's it. Actually went on a lot longer than I thought, which is very cool. But, uh, you know, I'm going to edit out all the faux pas that I did with my, you know, the delay. I had a a couple flubs. I got a lot to do. 
You're going to edit those out. Well, look, that's yes. not going to. No, I'm not. You, I will put it all together <laughs> and you can sit and edit it out. I have better things to do. I have to finish Callisto Protocol, okay? Uh-huh. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's all right. You shouldn't know what that means, dude. <laughs> Callista Flockhart? Callista Flockhart Protocol, yeah. I have to figure out where yeah, she is. Okay. The geolocate Callista. She's wedged in between two rocks that make a wall. I have to go get her. She's out. just <laughs> surrounded by Harrison Ford's arms. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? If you want to be surrounded by something that's infinitely better than Harrison Ford's arms, the 21st Amendment. You go out and buy any of their beers right now. But they have a Heller High Watermelon, which I don't know if it's still out yet. The Heller High Mango, which we just bought a couple weeks ago, which is now my favorite Heller High in the Heller High series. They also have, which I haven't tried yet, but Mr. P bought some at Costco the other day, the uh, Hazy Pumpkin Ale. Oh, I would try that. I don't like Hazy, but I like pumpkin. Yeah, I don't like Hazy's at all. Uh, I think they're disgusting and gross. Sorry, Sean. But what I do love is pumpkin beers. So if you have pumpkin in it, I'll try it. I will try anything pumpkin beers. Because I think, let me turn this out. I think that just like hazy beers, we've learned how to make them now. The pumpkin beers, right? Pumpkin beers for a while were just spice bombs. It was just like, might as well do a line of uh, a cinnamon and a, a nutmeg chaser. Like, it's just, there's, no, there's no point to it. But we figured it out. And hazies used to be gross and chalky, and now they're just gross. So we figured it out <laughs> for me anyway. Um, so I'm interested to see this. Anyway, um, so check them out. And if you're in the Bay Area, go visit their uh, brewery in San Francisco, the original brewery. They have a restaurant, a bunch of food, and a great place to go. And if you're out there, you can go catch a Giants game. It's two blocks away from there. Or in San Leandro, stop by their giant flagship brew house now. And they have a giant place to hang out inside. And they have a beer garden outside. And they have a band there all the time. They have food there, too. They have cheese curds. So check them out. 21stamendment.com. All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Happy Halloween. I appreciate it. And uh, we're going to jump over to the Secret Show feed here in just a second. But uh, if you want to be a part of that, go patreon.com slash ears up. Become a Patreon supporter. And uh, maybe I can get, uh, you know, better editing software. I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired of pitching Patreon. Don't do it. Just buy shirts. I don't know. I'm, be don't, a Patreon. Goodbye. Being a Patreon is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'm going to edit this whole thing out anyway. It doesn't really matter anymore. I'm at that, I'm at that point. I'm still talking. All right. Good job, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Appreciate it.